بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقدة من لساني يفقهوا قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل ابداننا بطاعتك ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى من القول والعمل والنية والهداء إنك على كل شيء قدير آمين يا رب العالمين Beloved brothers and sisters and dear listeners السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to accept all of your sacrifice of coming to the house of Allah Azza wa Jal from different parts and uh, sitting here after Salat al-Fajr with the niyyah of our rectification, our islah, may Allah Azza wa allow us to be sincere in our intention of wanting to rectify ourselves uh, through the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, through majalis of ilm and dhikr. May Allah Azza wa grant every one of us more than we expect in terms of our uh, spir- uh, spiritual rectification. We ask Allah Azza wa that He allow us to hear such things that will be a means of purifying our soul and grant us steadfastness in attending gatherings in which our soul is uh, purified. And whatever issues and troubles any one of us are going through in terms of our family, in terms of our work, we ask Allah to allow us to hear such words that will become a means of uh, providing solutions to us in our various uh, aspects of our life, inshallah. Ameen. Uh, inshallah, today we'll be sharing some hadith in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, mentions how the people who will be following the deen in every single era, especially towards the end of times, will be in the minority. And how that when a person finds himself in a situation where his understanding or her understanding of the deen and his or her adherence to the deen makes them such that they don't find too many others who are with them on that same page. They don't find too many other people willing to make those type of sacrifices or willing to uh, make those type of commitments and a, a means of consoling such people that you're uh, being alone or being with very few people in this level of commitment should not deter you from doing what you're doing. But rather, this is a normal expectation that one should have, especially in the era that we live in, that the commitment to Islam and to deen and the, uh, the willingness to sacrifice for Islam and deen will be something that will not be found by in, in too many people. Allah Azza wa Jal says in Surah Al-Hud, بَعْدَ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ فَلَوْلَا كَانَ مِنَ الْقُرُونِ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ أُلُوْ بَقِيَّةٍ يَنْهَوْنَ عَنِ الْفَسَادِ فِي الْأَرْضِ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا مِمَّنْ أَنْجَيْنَا مِنْهُمْ وَاتَّبَعَ الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا مَا أُتْرِفُ فِيهِ وَكَانُوا مُجْرِمِينَ If it wasn't for in the nations prior to you, the few chosen ones who would prohibit and stop others from causing corruption on earth, except for a few who we decided to give, give um, uh, save, save them and give them salvation. And the oppressors, they continue to follow the footsteps and do that which others who were indulged in extravagance, indulged in leading an extravagant lifestyle, the oppressors began to follow their footsteps. And they were open transgressors. So this ayah is telling us that the people who got salvation and enjoyed salvation from Allah 
qilla, that they were few. And that those who remain steadfast on the true path, and those who are obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, these were all in a minority. When you find yourself in, a, in an era and a time with a group of people who are trying to remain obedient to Allah, steadfast to the teachings and the sunnah of the Prophet you find yourself to be um, as a minority and you find yourself to be away from the majority that chooses to lead a life in which the decider of what's right and wrong is the nafs, is the ego, is the inner self. It's not about what Allah and His Rasul has said, it's about what I feel, what I think. When you find yourself away from the vast majority who are indulged in all sorts of uh, actions that are based on what a person feels based on their emotions, then this is a good sign that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed you to be <clears throat> from amongst the smaller group of people. Allah Azza wa says, in Surah Al-An'am, وَإِن تُطِعْ أَكْثَرَ مَنْ فِي الْأَرْضِ يُضِلُّوكَ عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, if you were to obey the majority of the people, then the majority of the people, if you were to lit, look and say, where is the majority going? Where is the majority going? Let's see what, what they have got to say. يُضِلُّوكَ عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ Then they would definitely mislead you from the path of Allah. Allah is telling the Prophet ﷺ that if he were to follow the majority, then the majority would end up misleading the Prophet ﷺ from the true path. Imagine if they are going to, if this is being mentioned to the Prophet ﷺ, what about you and I? Allah says, إِن يَتَّبِعُونَ إِلَّا الظَّنِّ These people, you see vast majority of people going in a direction, they are not following anything but their conjuncture. You know, subhanAllah, think about you're walking somewhere, trying to leave a building, trying to leave a, you know, a, a large um, uh, structure. Maybe say in Hajj, mashallah, our Hajis have come back. Allah accept their Hajj and accept their du'as and their ibadah. A person is leaving Mina, leaving Arafat, leaving Muzdalifah, etc. And you're wondering, where I need to move forward. You see this mass amount of people going this side. It's like, Jalabai, let's go, let's go this side. That's what we usually we do. Let's go with the rest. But then when you start following, you start asking, <clears throat> where are you headed, brother? Do you know? I don't know. Why are you in this direction? Because the guy in front is walking. Then you go stop and ask that guy, where are you headed? I'm not sure. Everyone seems to be going this direction. This is exactly what happens. That you see people walking and vast majority have no idea why they're going in that direction. They simply saw another five going, so they started going. How many times you and I have been in scenarios like that? Where you actually start walking, trying to leave a certain location or trying to get to a certain location, only to find out that all the people that are walking in that direction have no idea where they're going. They're all following the person in front. They're only following their conjuncture. They're only following a, a, a just a whiff. Someone said, "Go to this side, and you'll get out of where you get out of where of where you are, or you'll arrive at where you need to be." Right. So the, it's not based on board signs. It's not based on some Google Maps. It's not based on some directions of some sort. It's not based on anything. It's simply you ended up seeing a group of people walking in that direction, and you say, "Hey, let's just go on that side." Allah Azza wa Jalla is saying that that these people, majority of the people. They don't have a, a vision. They don't have a vision. They, they, their life, their decisions that they make in their lifestyle in terms of raising kids, in terms of marrying someone, in terms of finding a job in a certain place, is not based on some real thought that they have put into it. It's sabiyyeh karne. Everyone does this, so we do the same. 
Everyone puts their kids through preschool to 12th grade, then after that undergrad, and then grad school, regardless of what environment is there. We just got to do that. Then you must have checked out what's being taught in the schools. You must have seen what the syllabus is about. You must have seen uh, what uh, type of books are introduced to your little child, right? No. Who's got time for that? Everyone else is doing the same. So that must be the natural way of doing things. But brother, this is 2023. Things have really gone out of hand. Well, it can't be that bad because what percentage of the Muslim population sends their kids to public school? 99%? 95%? Okay, so then how could it be messed up? Because everyone else is going. And everyone else sends their kids off to college. Right? Every single kid who's going to senior year, who's going to first year of college, is the la- the, proudly will say, this is my last summer I'm at home. Wow. I heard that yesterday. It just, just gave me the shivers. Not my son, but just listening to that. Listening to someone's son telling me that. This is the last summer at home. Everything okay? What's going on? Oh no. I'm a senior in high school. Next year I'm off to college. Like where are you headed? I don't know. Just out of the home. That's all I know. 17 years old. Man. Right? Like why are you doing that? Everyone else does that. But you're 17, subhanAllah, you can't make it to Fajr with, when you, and living in the same house with your parents. What's going to happen when you get to the university on the other end of the country? Well, we'll figure that out when we get there. Everyone else does this, so we just got to move forward to that. This is what I'm trying to say. Blind leading the blind. These decisions that parents make, teachers, students make, for example, children make, sometimes make no sense or most of the time don't make any sense. But you try to ask, why is that being done? It's the answer is simply because everyone else does that. Everyone else does that. Someone, I was mentioning that to someone about how the, the, the agenda and the methodology of, of a, a bringing in fuhsh and filth into the public school system has gotten so out of control now, so out of control that we really, really need to uh, have a very strong, hard look at our options and, and figure out what needs to be done to save our children. So one person asked me that... Um, how do you compete with the funding that the public schools have? Their their extracurricular activities, their um, uh, you know gyms, their track and field, and all these other things. We had a half an hour discussion of all the horrible things that are happening in the school districts and the public school system, and this was the response I got: How do you compete? How do you compare? with that you can't why would anyone pull out their kids from public school when you can't have that type of funding no Islamic school can provide that I literally was speechless man I like after everything we just heard you're worried about you know not having a state of the art multi-million dollar gym for your kid we're talking about subhanAllah not even we're not talking about being Muslim non-Muslim we're talking about being identifying yourself as a human or subhuman we're talking about losing your humanity, thinking that you're a cat or a dog or a wolf or a, or a tree. And you're telling me about funding for art and sports? Wow. How do I even answer that? Like literally I was speechless. That after everything, you've, this is your answer. How do we have the, what do we do, how do we compete with the funding? What is it? Because everyone is just looking at 99% of the ummah. 99% of the ummah is looking at, uh, you know, things that this is what everyone else does. It must be good. They have great opportunities, great schools. And so we don't care about what's taught in that. We don't care about what the morals, ethics, and values are being introduced to our children. But if someone were to truly relax, calm down, 
remove all of this noise and sit there and start maybe going to school with their fifth grader, 10th grader, first year student of college and spend one day with your son and daughter and see what is that they are introduced to, what is that that they are discussing in class. SubhanAllah, one, one, after Jummah Khutbah, one person yesterday when I was leading, person went home, he just said, he asked his daughter, did you hear the khutbah today? 11 year old. She said, yeah. I talked about some of the modern issues. And so the dad didn't know, but he said, he's 11th grade, 11, not 11th grader, 11 year old, said to the dad that this upcoming year in our school district, they've decided that all the bathrooms are going to be genderless. So we're going to be boys and girls being going to the same restrooms. Dad is hearing about it in summer break, first time after my Jummah khutbah. He didn't hear about it before. But that brought up the conversation. And that's what they heard. Now, I don't know about you guys, but that's a pretty, very alarming for me. We're not talking about 30-year college student. We're talking about grade school, junior high, uh, fifth grade, you know, sixth grade. Just happening in our city. Now, if this should not be alarming, where a person says, I need to make some rash decision. Well, no, that's not rash. That's logical decision. Yeah, that's logical. Everyone else is going to be thinking, you're illogical. That's the era we live in. That after seeing all of this, people still think that, nah, it is what it is. I have to send, I have to, you, got, you cannot, what? You cannot shelter your kids from filth. Because when you go outside, to, uh, you know, I'm working in corporate. We had to, you know, people in our company celebrated Pride Month, for example, someone will say. I'm working in, in a hospital or I'm working in a business where, you know, I have transgender co-employees and, and LGBTQ co-employees, etc. So that's life. So uh, I don't think we need to shelter our kids. Rather, there's zameen asman ka farq. Huge difference between you as a 45-year-old dealing with people at work who identify themselves with all of this, and your five-year-old kid, and your 10-year-old kid being exposed and being forced to accept a whole absolutely different type of mentality, a, a, a different type of approach to life, a whole different identity. Learning while you're young is like carving into the rock. How can you compare the two? That eight hours a day, five days a week, for the next 12 years, a whole doctrine is being imparted to this kid where he begins to rec being taught that that is the absolute truth and anyone who says anything beyond that separately is not on the right. After my Tuesday tafsir, this past Tuesday, a person who was listening online sent me a voice message of, of, of a family from Pakistan that's somewhere in America was worried about their child who uh, uh, went to school, seven-year-old came back and began to identify as another gender. Uh, he said, uh, the teacher said, you could do whatever you want. You could be any day, you can choose whatever you want. So, you know, kids, kids, like, well, I want to be a female, a boy. And the parents are like, um, no, you're you know, you're not a female, you're a boy. Like, what are you talking about? So, but then said, well, my teacher said that, um, you know, you could do whatever you want. So now these parents who are, who are reading the news and stuff like that are so scared they're like, now nah, we don't know what to do. Because if we tell our child 100% you can't, we're worried that he's going to go tell the school that my mom and dad said I can't. And that we end up, Allah forbid, based on some of the rules that, and laws that are being enacted in certain parts of the country, we may end up what? Losing our child. 
because we are being abusive. This is what some of the laws have already been passed in certain parts of the country, that if a child decides to change the gender um, and identify themselves something else, then the parents must abide, and if they don't, that's called child abuse. And that the child will be taken away. My friends, I'm not talking about uh, you know, a horror science fiction video movie or book. Huh? We're talking about today, what's already happening in the United States, Canada, and certain Europe. And it's spreading. This is exactly what we're seeing. It's crazy. It's unbelievable. I know you're waking up in the morning listening to me. But understand that the way we stand today, subhanAllah, just a year ago, we would not imagine we'd see a day like this. Much less, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And it's only going to get worse. And forget, you don't have to be a Muslim to be wanting to be up in arms about this. Just you being a normal human being, random mojo. You don't even have to be a Christian. Just a random mojo when you listen to this type of trash of what's going on. It's like, where's, are you guys have lost your sanity? But it seems that we have lost our sanity. I'm sorry. Yeah. Why aren't people like riled up? Why aren't people losing their wits that this is crazy? How is this acceptable? Everyone has lost their sanity. Everyone is simply, it seems like they've just bewitched. Everyone's been under hypnosis and they're just following the rest. Like, oh, okay, fine. This is what it is. You're seven year old, you can decide whatever you want. Your mom and dad don't have a right. You know, everything else, they're going to choose a little bicycle. They're going to tell you when it's safe. They're going to make sure you wear a helmet. They're going to do everything. You can't do whatever you want. But when it comes to changing your gender, by all means, you have the full right to choose that. Right? Did, you heard the other day in Tafsir, I mentioned that the, one of the American medical associations, one of them actually gave a, a statement that they are now, uh, they encourage that uh, hospitals and, 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 law, and, uh, and lawmakers that not, do not mandate uh, uh, you know, writing the, the gender on the birth certificate, public form of the birth certificate. Allow the, child, the newborn eventually to choose their own gender because this is encroaching on their individualistic or encroaching on their individual right to identify themselves in any way they wish. Newborn, baby, should not be given. And Jen, who is this coming from? This is coming from the doctors' association in this country, well, at least one of them. So where's the science in there? This is what has happened. Science is now skewed. Science is going to be there. is is now become a puppet of a certain agenda. The school system has become everything has become a puppet of this certain agenda. Where are we going to run to? Our so now as a religious-minded, religious-you know-minded individual, a Muslim. You are trying to find your way forward. Understand that you're going to be alone. You're going to be, there are going to be very few with you. This is the reality. The dark, stark reality is that majority of people, no matter what my khutbah is going to be about, no matter how much I explain to you what's happening in the school districts, have a PowerPoint of what's being taught in third grade. 5% might say, wow, okay, let me pull my kids out. 95% will continue to do business as usual. Because that's what the rest do. What are we going to do? It's not about, oh, where, where can I, uh, I can't afford Islamic school tuition. Or the Islamic schools have long waiting lists, which they do. Both are true. But who cares? Like, what's the alternative? What is the alternative? The alternative is so bad that it's not an option. You have to figure out, we'll figure out how to get there. Once you realize that you're, you know, imagine this. Your son is, Allah forbid, son or daughter is very, very sick. Diagnosed with some horrible disease, Allah forbid, or just immediate needs acute attention right now, immediate attention because they're bleeding to death. 
Imagine someone says, I don't have insurance. Or the hospital is too expensive in America. Medical care is too expensive. I know it's very expensive. And I know it's all messed up. But you have a bleeding child in front of you. You have someone who's, you know, if he doesn't get immediate attention, will die. Is this really the time to sit there and talk about the politics of, of the hospitals? We'll figure that out afterwards. Well, I don't have the money. I don't have insurance. We, we, can't, we don't have time to talk about that. Grab your car and run to the hospital. We don't even have time to call the ambulance. I think most people would do that. We'll figure out the rest of the stuff afterwards. Well, there you go. Here you have a child losing his physical body, his soul, and die possibly as a shaheed. And you have, on the other hand, people losing their iman. And if they die in that state without iman, they're going to be in the jahannam for eternity. We have to provide solutions, yes. But for one thing is we got to get out of the burning house. But if I leave the burning house, I don't have a home to go to tonight. I know you don't. But you, the solution is not you stay inside the burning house because you will lose your house and lose yourself. You leave the home and then we'll figure out the next story where we're going to go spend the night tonight and the next year. But the solution is not to stay inside this burning house. So a person needs to understand how horrible the situation is in our schools, the environment and our universities for our kids. For example, and we have to come up with solutions. I don't have the solution, nor do I claim to have solutions to all these issues. I'm simply trying to create awareness that this is something we need to look into personally because this is your children. Every man should look after his kids. You have kids, you have grandkids. Your responsibility to look after them. I will try to highlight some of the things. At the end of the day, my children are my responsibility, your children are your responsibility. We have to see what decisions can we make. But let us not use this as a standard that everyone else is doing that. That is no standard to live by. And this is what these ayats of the Qur'an are telling us. That if you follow what the rest of the people, or rather the majority are going to be doing, they will what? They will <clears throat> mislead you. So as much as personally you feel conflicted, how could everyone be wrong? Or how could a, ma a majority be wrong? You're telling me there's just a few dad and mom tell their kids, I mean, sorry, children say, Baba, really? Are you the only one who's right? Are we the only one who's right? That makes no sense. No, you have to have this discussion. I'm sorry, Beta. Yeah, that's how it is. We live in a, in a world of, of, I'm sorry, maniacs. And it's not just 2023 that's brought it. Throughout the eras, Muslims have always been a minority. Even if we're 1.8 billion people who claim to be Muslims, still, that's a minority in seven in, in billion people. So this discussion is very important to have with our children. Because our children naturally are going to say, I feel the pressure of society. I feel the pressure that majority of people around me are not, are, are not Muslims. So are you telling me really we are on the truth and not everyone else is not? Your little 10-year-old, your 5-year-old is going to ask this. And so these are things that we unapologetically have to talk about. Ad-dunya sijnul mu'min wa jannatul kafir. Dunya is the prison of a believer, beta. Dunya is a prison of a believer. Everyone in this world is, does whatever they want. That's what you call Jannah. But we as Muslims, we live in a prison. Who said this? Our Prophet ﷺ said this. What, what does a prisoner do? The prisoner follows the instructions of the warden. Cannot eat whenever he wants. Cannot sleep whenever he wants. Cannot exercise whenever he wants. Cannot play games and read books and whatever he wants. There's set times for everything. There's only certain options available. There's certain menu items. You, whatever is given to you to eat, that's what you eat. You can't sit there and choose. Every single thing has been chosen for you. You have to follow those rules as long as you are in that four walls of the prison.
We all are, even though we may be very wealthy, even though we may have a beautiful home, even though we may have two cars, even though we may have money to go on vacation, even though we may have a great education, whatever the case may be, but at the end of the day, we are still prisoners in this world. We cannot eat whatever we want. We cannot sleep wherever. We cannot have relationships with whoever, whomsoever. We cannot use and spend our money wherever we want. We have to follow the rules laid out by Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That point has to be explained and accepted by us, us and our children. There's no other way around. That you simply cannot do whatever you want. Although everyone else in your class is doing whatever they want, but you are different. You are a believer who has submitted yourself to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and your nafs is not your God. Allah and His Rasul are the ones who you follow, not your nafs. kafir And everyone else, they are living in their paradise. Meaning in paradise you do whatever you want. For us, our paradise is yet to come. For them, their paradise is right now. And as soon as death comes, then it's game over. Then after that, it's only difficulty, difficulty, difficulty. And for a believer, in this world, in this life, the way we suppress ourselves, moving forward, Allah Azza wa has prepared for us a Jannah, which no eye has ever seen, no ear has ever heard its proper description, and no mind has properly even understood the extent of the beauty and the luxury of this beautiful place. But it will come only when you and I decide to put our foot down on our nafs and do not follow our whims and desires. So Muslims have always been, practicing Muslims have always been in a minority. And so nowadays, it is absolutely no different. Nabi Salam's hadith related by Abdurrahman bin Sanna and is mentioned by other uh, uh, sahaba in different books of hadith. But let's listen to this one here. Hadith is Bada al Islam Gariba, Fumma Yaudu Gariban Kama Bada, Fatuba Dil Guraba. Hilia Rasulullah, Women Guraba, Kala Levin Yuslehuna Ida Fasadan Nas. Well, Levin of Sibiadi, Layan Hazan al Imanu Ila Madinati, Kamaya Huzul Sailu, Well, Levin of Sibiadi, Layarizan al Islam Ila Mabina Havin al Masjidin, Kamata Rizal Hayatu Ila Juhariha, Okamakala Risotu Salam. He said, Tabrani mentions in Ma'jib al-Kabir on the authority of Abdullah and Abdurrahman bin Sanna that Rasulullah said Islam began as a strange entity. Gariban began as a strange entity. Then it will once again return back to becoming strange. Islam will began as a strange entity and will once again return back to being strange. When you see something strange meaning you don't recognize it. It looks weird, gharib, ajib, out of place. It is a foreigner. Gharib is a foreigner. Islam began, began as a foreign concept amongst the Arabs. The ways and the methods we treat our spouses, the way we treat our children, the way we in, distribute our inheritance, the way we treat animals, everything. And of course, the way we are monotheistic, the way we follow the Prophet ﷺ in every regard, including how we relieve ourselves. This was very unique. Our dressing, the way we keep our ankles exposed, and the way we cover ourselves. All of these things very unique. SubhanAllah, the way we sit down to eat, the humility and humbleness that Rasulullah would have. All of those things. So Islam began as a strange and unique identity. And it will once again return back to remaining strange. People will not be all around you accepting it, recognizing it as this is the norm. Well, this is a hadith we should share with our kids. 
فَطُوبَى لِلْغُرَبَاءِ Glad tidings for the strangers. Your Aisha and your Khadija in school and your Muhammad and Khalid in school who feels different when he goes to pray Salatul Dhuhr in his recess time, who feels different when he's not celebrating Pride Month. Then, you know, like one person said, my six-year-old daughter was asked by another six-year-old, I think he said, she said, she's a very nice sweet girl she always likes to keep everyone happy does a lot of khidmat she came back she come back home a six or seven year old and she said one girl asked me in school hey do you celebrate pride month and she said i said no we're muslims we don't celebrate it and the other girl's like oh my god that's so hurtful why are you being so mean to all these other people and so now this muslim little girl comes back to her dad and says you know, I feel so bad. I hurt some, you know, little girl's feelings. She said, I'm hurting, I'm, I'm being mean to people because I'm not celebrating Pride Month. Okay, this is, this is the real world that I'm speaking about right now. This is our discussions. When was the last time we thought we'd have to have discussed that? We thought on the way back from school, we'd just say, do you want to go to Dairy Queen or Baskin Robbins, right? That would be our discussion. But now in this discussion about a six-year-old having to worry about hurting someone's feelings if they don't celebrate Pride Month. Subhanallah. This wasn't there two, three years ago. Even this wasn't, June wasn't taken over by this. Well, that's what's happened now. So our children need to be taught this hadith. That you are going to be strange. And you're going to be standing out. And people will not like that. And that's fine. You have to make sure you hold your ground. And you have to say, I'm not insulting you. I'm not being unfriendly with anyone. And neither am I for it. Like you saw that recording from Canada. From that teacher getting screaming at that child to get out of the class and get out of Canada if they don't celebrate uh, Pride Month. Remember? It was all over the news. Who's telling you that you must celebrate iftar with us? No, you don't need to buy. You don't need to come for fasting. You don't, you just, that's not necessary. You don't need to wear hijab on hijab day. Don't worry. Don't, this is not a no trade. You wear hijab on hijab day and I must celebrate Pride Month with you. That's what exactly the people of Mecca asked the Prophet ﷺ to do. You stop giving da'wah to Islam. How about we trade off? We worship Allah, fine, but you got to also worship the idol. Didn't they say this? And that's when Surah Kafirun was revealed. La a'budu ma ta'budun. Sorry. I'm not going to worship what you worship. And you're not going to be worshiping what I'm worshiping in this state. You need to realize it's not a trade off. I scratch your back, you scratch my back. No, no, no. This is haq and everything else besides this is batil unapologetically I will mention that this is my belief you don't have to believe me but where I come from this is exactly the truth the absolute and nothing but the truth this is it if you believe what, you, you, what you're on the truth then by all means stick to that but we can't have this trading business because then I am being uh, not loyal and not being true to what my belief is and my belief is this is the only path to salvation you claim that you follow a true religion, then you should also just stick to your ground. And when you are ready to look outside the box, by all means, I will share with you. But don't think that you coming to the masjid on Friday should then now force me to come to the, uh, the church on Sunday. Doesn't work like that. Yeah, for visiting is a different thing, you know, to giving a talk on Islam, that's a different thing, whatever. But the idea is, we're not going to sit there and worship each other's, uh, you know, religions by turn. We Muslims are not forcing. No Muslim has ever asked a non-Muslim to do that. I should not be asking. We take a trade. And so many times what happens is the Muslims today in school, they feel obliged. They say, well, the LGBTQ club, they came out and, on Fastathon Day. And they became a co-sponsor of Fastathon. Uh, Fastathon where everyone fast. Some random day of the year. So now we have to show up for uh, the Pride Club. 
um, uh, you know, uh, um, event. This is the reality that your sons and daughters of the Ummah are faced with every day at school. This is what the reality what we're faced at in cor- our brothers and sisters in corporate, in, in businesses, etc. Um, it's happening all across the globe. People are being asked, what have you done? I know some brothers, they told me this year, they were asked, so what did you do? Management sent them an email. What did you do this month in June uh, to help promote uh, this LGBTQ? Show us how did you use the office budget and what are the events you participated in? We want to know, Hisab kitab, chalo bhai. Your loyalty is being tested. How is this fair? Who is asked, what have you done to further the, the, the message of, of Jewish people or Muslims or, or Hindus? Or what have you done to show you know, commitment to the orphans or commit, commitment to those who are suffering from natural disasters? No, one, no question about that. But you're being asked, what have you done? Show your loyalty to this. People are like, what, what's going to happen next year? I'm being asked about this. This is crazy. My, that your department, as lead of your department, your team manager, what steps did your people take who are reporting to you in the month of June to show support for this. This is the dunya we're living in. If we are not well grounded and if we do not have self-confidence and trust in, in the deen, we're going to lose it. We won't be able to stand up to this. So Nabi Wasallam says, Badal Islam Gariba. Islam began as a strange entity. Then it will become Bada. Then it will once again become strange. فَطُوبَى لِلْغُرَبَاءَ Glad tidings to the strangers. Then the Prophet ﷺ was asked, Ya Rasulullah, وَمَنِ الْغُرَبَاءَ Who are the strangers? قَالَ He said, الَّذِينَ يُصْلِحُونَ إِذَا فَسَدَ النَّاسِ These are the people who will continue to rectify the ummah, invite towards salah and righteousness, إِذَا فَسَدَ النَّاسِ When people will have fallen into utter corruption. When people will have corrupt, been corrupted, their morals, their ethics, their values will have been corrupted, there will be a group of people who will unapologetically stand up and invite towards good and forbid from evil. Who are these people? These are the strangers. Because these will be people who will be frowned upon by their own Muslims, by their own relatives. You know, take it easy. Come on, don't attract unnecessary attention. Chup chap, just do whatever you need to do. Who knows? Who cares? Just do whatever you need to do. Identify yourself as you want. Yeah? Because you'll lose your kids. You'll lose your job. You'll lose this. You'll lose that. So people feel very uncomfortable about speaking these topics. People don't want to speak about it. They know it's in the white elephant in the room. It's a herd of white elephants in the room. But you'll find khutbas about every single topic. How often do we hear about Dajjal? I was just with our Ustad. I said, Pakistan, may people speak about Dajjal? He says, no. He says, there's khutbahs in Pakistan, Dajjal. Just rarely, rarely do you see a khutbah. You think they're happening in Saudi? You think they're happening in Turkey? You think they're happening in, in Qatar? Be honest. This is, no one wants to speak about it. That is not, this is the pre-Dajjali era. That's what this is all about. Dajjal, the confusion. The unthinkable has been made the norm. All of these things are connected to the Dajjali fitna. But no, everyone wants to speak about left and right. We'll talk about go green. And we'll talk about, you know, something else, which are important topics. Talk about every single day by, you know, akhlaq, akhlaq. But yes, you're right, akhlaq. I know akhlaq is not happening. Bayan say akhlaq don't come through a bayan. Bayan is just a part of it. We have to really actually work on it. But let's just, let's be compassionate, be nice and smile. Go home and smile to everyone. This is the khutbah. 
What are the real issues that are beyond that, that is completely causing corruption in, in Muslim society and non-Muslim society? When are we going to stand up and hearing those issues? People are not willing to stand up and speak about these real issues in this pre-Dajjali era that we live in. And that's what Rasulullah is saying. That when people will stand up and do islah and, and, and rectify the ummah, they will be known as the strangers because very few people will be wanting to do that. And then the Prophet ﷺ said, I swear by that being in whose hands is my life, Iman will come back to Medina the way, uh, the, 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 way a, uh, the flow of the river goes in a certain direction. Similarly, Iman will start going towards Medina. And I swear by that being in whose life is in my, whose, whose, in whose, whose hands is my life, Islam will go back to these two, to the area between these two masjids, meaning between Mecca and Medina, the way a snake goes back to its hole. Our Ustad Malalauddin, Rahmatullahi Alayhi, would explain that even a snake, you know, it could be a huge mountain, and a snake has come out of its hole. But the snake will, no matter how big the mountain is, no matter how dark the mountain is, the snake will be able to find its way right back to its hole. So similarly, as the fitan increase, the people of the deen will slowly start making their way and start making hijrah there. And the people who, who will wanting to follow deen will be residing in those areas. When it comes to the lack of etiquette, when it comes to the lack of haya, lack of modesty, lack of akhlaq, when you start seeing that these basic character Character, respect for elders, respect for parents, love for youngsters, love and respect and honor of ulama. When these basic traits start becoming strange in our society, you have to realize that you're not listening, you're not living amongst humans anymore. Imam Sheikh Saadi, if I, if I remember correctly, mentions that there was a person who was walking around with a, uh, 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 with a lantern. I think it's Sheikh Saadi or my, it could have been Mawlana Jalaluddin Rumi as well that he says he, walk, he was walking around with a shama with a candle a man is walking around with a candle in broad daylight you imagine you see someone walking around with a candlelight in broad daylight we'd say this, this guy is crazy someone said what are you doing? he said I am searching he said I am searching for a human being I am using this candle to go search for a human being so then he was, he, they told him, but you're searching for a human being. They're all humans all around. What are you talking about? He said, no, these are not human beings. These are worshippers of their desires. Yes, these are all worshippers of desires, what we'd call people who are lower than an animal. These are not human beings. I am going trying to find people who are not controlled by their desires, but rather lead a life subservient to the Deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what you call a human being who has control over himself. This is not insan. These are all in the, these are animals in the shape of humans. And I told you what Sheikh Sharawi mentioned in the tafsir on Tuesday I mentioned. He says something beautiful that he says when we talk about uh, uh, behima, animalistic instincts, he says sometimes we are actually doing injustice to animals by, by using that word. And then let me just read this. لو تأملت مثلا الغزيرة الجنسية غزيرة الجنسية Your internal uh, you know, desire to fulfill your lustful desires, the, the need or the desire for sexuality. He says, 
هيز التي يصفها البعض بملء فيه يقول غزيره بهيميه سبحان الله الا تستحي ان تظلم البهائم لمجرد انها لا تتكلم وهي افهم لهذه الغزير غزيره منك الا تراها بمجرد ان يخطب الذكر انثاها لا يقربها ابدا وهي لا تمكنه من نفسها اذا ما حملت الله اكبر فحين انك تبالغ في هذه الغريزه وتنطلق فيها انطلاقا يخرجها عن هدفها والحكمه منها and he goes on he says with this natural desire the degree to which the human being goes to fulfill this desire is something which no animal does how much do you see in the animals fulfilling desire having with multiple partners with uh, with being after being pregnant fulfilling the desire with the same animals pregnant or a same gender or when a, uh, a for, for example a lioness has been you know uh, wedded to a lion right how how will you see her going with another lion for example very protective the the lion will be very protective the lioness also understands that i am also i am committed to a specific lion think about subhanallah such an amazing point he writes that the animals have their laws as well that they follow they have their sense of morality and the human being does he, doesn't have they says don't please don't make zulm and oppress the animals by calling this thick calling this animalistic quality when you actually are below an animal worse than an animal when you have no bounds of fulfilling your uh, of fulfilling your desires do it in any way shape or form that an animal would never imagine doing so with a dead animal who does that we have things of that sort things that i don't want to even get into which are now happening within humanity which are for sure something that animals do not do so this in that era and that time will come where if to find a human being you'll have to make an effort this is what is mentioned you know 7 800 years ago in poetry that the man is going trying to go find a human being insan dekh raha hu insan talash kar raha and so we are in the so called taraqqi yafta zamana in an era of absolute you know advancements yes our technology has been advanced our space as uh, you know journeys has been advanced our technology of medication and law uh, no sorry in in technology of how to how to enforce law or how to uh, perform certain types of procedures there are all advancements in it but the human being my brothers and sisters if you think about it for a few minutes you will realize we have not advanced we've actually regressed we have definitely regressed that now where has been the character where the akhlaq where is the humanity where is the sens- sensibility within people it's going south it's decreasing and slowly we are becoming more machine like robotic having a less um conscience of what's right and wrong and being more robotic that is what um the hadith is telling us that that era will be there when simply being human like you know really that's what we're talking about identifying yourself as a human is going to become Uh, an odd thing because people will be identifying themselves as so many different things animals not inanimate objects and so forth subhanallah the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam mentioned another hadith he said tuba lil ghuraba glad tidings for the strangers qila wa man ya rasulullah wa man ghuraba who are the strangers qala alladhina yaziduna idha naqasa an-nasu these are the people that they will increase when people will decrease meaning when the majority of people will decrease their virtue these people increase their virtue 
When the majority of people will decrease their taqwa, they will increase their taqwa. When majority of people will decrease in their obedience and adherence to the sunnah, these people will increase their obedience to the sunnah. That's what's going to happen. These are the ghuraba, these are the strangers. The previous hadith said that these are the people who correct people and, and, re and revive the sunnah when people will leave it. This hadith is adding to that. That these are the people who will increase in their adherence to the sunnah and to the deen when people will be decreasing. Yet another hadith, third hadith. Islam began as a strange entity will return back as a strange entity Who are the strangers? These are the people who've been pulled out from their tribes Meaning that when people will begin to try to follow the deen they will become outcast within their homes they will become outcasts within their tribes. Their tribe will say, their people will say, you're too much. You're too religious. You're too fundamental. Yes? This is what's going to happen. Your own khandan, your own group of people, friends, this is your qawm. They will say that this is too much level of spirituality that we cannot handle. Please take it somewhere else. So a person will become a stranger within his own house. Fourth hadith, a fourth narration of the same hadith, fourth uh, you know, words, for, fourth wording narrated by Kathir bin Abdullah bin, bin Amr bin Auf bin Zayd bin Malha and Abi and Jaddi and Rasulullah Sallallahu Inna dina la ya'rizu ila al-hijazi kama ta'rizu al-hayyatu ila juhriha wa la ya'qilanna al-dinu min al-hijazi ma'qil al-azuwiyyatu min ra'si al-jabal inna al-dina bada'a gariba wa yarji'u gariba fatuba al-ghuraba al-lazhina yuslihuna ma'afsada al-nasu min sunnati min ba'di al-lazhina yuhyuna sunnati wa yuallimunaha al-nas o kama qala sallam in this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ says, Deen will become a strange entity, and it will become such, Deen will go back and take a hold in Hijaz, Makkah and Medina. The way a, uh, a uh, mountain lion, a mountain lion goes to the top of the mountain. I'm not a mountain lion, mountain goat. A mountain goat goes to the very top. You see, you look on top, you go visit Montana, Alaska, whatever. You'll see these mountain goats are the way at the top. How'd you get there? Man, that's so hard. And he's standing there as the, as the king at the top. There is very, it's very quiet up there. There aren't that many people. Islam will go to the go and become the exclusive true flavor of Islam will be found in Hijaz, in Mecca and Medina. Not many people will be, make, be able to make it out there. And that's where it will be. It, Islam will slowly go back to its roots. The way a mountain goat goes back to the top after maybe grazing at the bottom. Similarly, Islam will go back to where it started. Right? Islam will go back to where it started. And then Rasulullah said, glad tidings for the strangers. Who are the strangers? In this hadith, he didn't just say those who rectify the corruption that people have made. He said those who rectify the, the corruption that people have made in my sunnah. Revival of the sunnah. These are the people who revive my sunnah. And they will be teaching the people, my sunnah. My beloved brothers and sisters, it really comes back to this. This is it. Someone asked one scholar, what is the greatest antidote to Dajjal? He said, it's sunnah. That's one thing that Dajjal cannot, does not have and cannot stand. That's what will destroy Dajjal, is sunnah. In a, in a Dajjali era that we're living in, the small and basic sunnah, from the simple things that you heard as a child, from the miswak, to making sure your, 
your, your ankles are, are, are bare, to making sure you enter the foot, or enter the masjid with the right foot and recite the dua, to make sure you memorize the duas when you enter home and enter with the right foot and leave with the left foot, to make sure you're, you're saying bismillah when you sit down to eat, to make sure you, you recite your duas before you go to bed and you, you sleep in the right direction, facing the qibla. Simple, small things to be cognizant that I have to do this normal, mundane action the way Rasulullah did. That's what we're speaking about. There is all the bayans in the world and all the publications in the world and all the PowerPoints and the videos and movies. Nothing has effect the way sunnah has effect. One sunnah is more powerful than anything else you can imagine. If it wasn't powerful, Allah would have never given that to His Nabi. The most chosen, most sublime makhluk of Allah, not just human being, most chosen creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <clears throat> Every single thing about Him is special. The ta'fir and the effect that is in sunnah, my friends. Let's not undermine that. And that is something we have, if we want to remain firm in this day and age, if we want to move forward, we have to really, really start emphasizing this, all the sunnah. Now, you cannot pick and choose because there's a lot of picking and choosing going on nowadays. The wife will choose all those hadiths she hears about the sunnah that, that make her life easier. The husband will choose all those hadiths that make his life easier in the relationship. No one wants to read the hadith. That is not for you. That's for the opposite person to read. We should be focusing on what's, what I have to do. We cannot control what others do. We control only what we do. We have to make sure that we are following the sunnah. We make dua, others also follow the sunnah. But many times what we see, everyone is looking at what the other person has to do and finding those hadiths that are sunnah. Do you know the Prophet was like this? Listen to this. And we are not looking at what actually is relevant to us. So if we want to save our generation from losing our wits, losing not only our Islam only, but losing our humanity, my beloved friends, then we have to resort to reading, studying, and implementing the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. When you want to find knowledge, where should you go seek knowledge? Seek knowledge by, from those people who have sunnah in their lives. Go visit people who have sunnah in their lives. Go attend the durus of people who have sunnah in their lives. Go visit and look at people who have sunnah in their lives. This is something that is the only way out of this <coughs> difficulty that we, subhanAllah, live in. The Prophet ﷺ mentioned in a hadith, it's, it's mentioned that Umar al-Khattar came out to the masjid of the Prophet right there and he saw Mu'adh ibn Jabal crying by the grave of the Prophet He said, Oh Mu'adh, ma yubkika? Why are you crying? He said, Yubkini shay'un sami'atahu min Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa I am crying over a hadith I remember hearing from the Prophet Mu'adh ibn Jabal is telling Umar al-Khattab What did you hear? Samiatu Rasulullah I heard the Prophet saying, Inna yasir al-riya'i shirk. Even the smallest amount of riya will be regarded as shirk. Even the smallest amount of ostentation, show, is shirk. And I heard that Rasulullah said, Indeed, whoever becomes an enemy of a friend of Allah, فَقَدْ بَارَزَ اللَّهَ بِالْمُحَارَبَةِ then indeed he has taken up arms against Allah. If you hate a friend of Allah, if you speak ill of a friend of Allah, if you backbite about a friend of Allah, if you make fun of a friend of Allah, فَقَدْ بَارَزَ اللَّهَ بِالْمُحَارَبَةِ Then you have actually chosen to take up arms against Allah. وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ الْأَبْرَارَ الْأَتْقِيَاءَ الْأَخْفِيَاءَ And indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves 
Al-Abrar, the pious ones. Al-Atqiyah, the God-fearing ones, those who fear Allah. Al-Akhfiyah, those who are hidden. Al-Akhfiyah, those who are hidden. What does it mean that they're hidden? إِذَا غَابُوا لَمْ يُفْتَقَدُوا When they are absent, no one misses them. When they are not present in a majlis, in a gathering, in a walima, in a wedding, in an event, when many are invited, these are simpleton. These are simple, humble, God-fearing people that no one misses them when they are absent. وَإِنْ حَضَرُوا لَمْ يُدْعَوْا And when they are present at home or in their area, no one even invites them to the get-togethers. Because they're nobodies. They're not famous people. They're not wealthy people maybe. They're not well-known people. They're not people who everyone wants to hang out with. They're what we call the bichalilog. When they are present, no one wants to invite them. Or even when they are present in a circle or in a party or in a get-together, no one recognizes their presence. No one is giving them special attention. When حَضَرُوا لَمْ يُدْعَوْا However, وَلَمْ يُعْرَفُوا They are not recognized. Such an important hadith. They are not recognized. However, قُلُوبُهُمْ مَصَابِيحُ الْهُدَى Their hearts are lanterns of guidance. You don't know what you're dealing with. This man is more strong than this whole chandelier. 160 light bulbs are nothing compared to this unknown person who you don't even know exists in your masjid. He is, you know, gumnam, unknown. No one knows his name. No one thinks that he's a cool person to invite to. But subhanAllah, he's carrying in his heart a lantern that is far greater than any light you have seen. And what happens with this light? وَيَخْرُجُونَ مِنْ كُلِّ غَبْرَاء مُظْلِمَةً when it will become extremely dusty and dark, the only people that will be able to walk out of that dust storm will be the people who have this type of lantern. This is the gist of what he's saying. Meaning, that lantern is so powerful that when none of the lights of this world will help. That's what we're living in right now. We're living in an era of absolute fitna, confusion. People don't know how to get out. Malmakhraj. Where's the exit? How do we end this suffering? How do we end this huge war against our hearts, minds, and souls? How do we get out of it? Who, who has the answer? It is those people who are carrying this lantern in their heart. Are they the first? They have the highest views on TikTok? No, they don't, my friend. They don't. Because everything on the deen nowadays, our youth they, and our adults, everything is about celebrities. Whoever's famous, if the famous person said it, then it's got to be right. And there's the only people who are going to listen to their talks and lectures are people who have at least one to two million views, one to two million followers. Otherwise, they're a waste of time. This hadith is telling you that the people who've got guidance such and such lanterns that only their lantern will work are people who are unknown. People who are not known. They are gharib. They're strangers. If, they're, if they come to the masjid, you won't even recognize who they are. See this out, the simple people. Alhamdulillah, I'm so blessed to say that's how our asatita are. Our asatita, my teachers, my shuyukh, you can't find them online. And if they're present here, you wouldn't know who they were. Honestly. They don't have a shan or shokat. They don't have, you know, 10 people in front of them, 10 people behind them, right around dressed in a certain outstanding manner. You know, subhanAllah, everyone's looking at them. No, extremely down to earth, simple people. Subhanallah. I had, to, I had a, a blessing to spend some time with two of my teachers. Mulana Suleiman Chuksi, Damat Barakatum in England, Mulana Ubaidullah Saab in Turkey, right now. And subhanAllah, everything I'm reading, I'm sharing with you is exactly what I saw. People who are unknown, but carrying true, massive, massive lanterns in their heart. You simply sit in their presence and you feel, wow, why, 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 why didn't you come sit here? But no, 
No one wants to come sit. These are, because why? They're unknown people. <laughs> they're not, if they're not, if social media doesn't know them, then why are they, why should I waste my time sitting with them? Why should I sit my, waste my time attending their drus? This is something we have to train our kids and ourselves. Stop chasing the fame. Go search for people who have these lanterns of guidance in their heart. And most of the time, as this hadith mentions, they're absolutely hidden people, God-fearing people. People are not recognized. But these are the people who are not appreciated by humanity, but are absolutely appreciated by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I ask Almighty Allah azza wa jal that He grants us the company of these strangers. And He makes us from amongst that chosen group of strangers who will enjoy the company of the Prophet in akhirah. I ask Allah Azza wa Jal He grants every one of us that level of imani strength that we will stand by the truth, live by the truth, invite towards the truth, and die on the truth no matter how difficult the circumstances may become. I ask Allah Azza wa Jal that He saves us from following trends, following fashions, following the majority. Instead, makes us amongst those who follow what's right, even if it means we remain within the minority. I ask Allah Azza wa Jal that, that He grants every one of us the ability to not only follow what's right, but then become a trendsetter ourselves. That He allows us to lead by example. And the greatest example that we have to follow is the sunnah. That He allows myself and you and your children and my children to become exemplary examples of embodiment of the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ in all facets of our life. This is the most important thing. This is what we have to ask Allah Azza wa Jalla, that He allows you and I and our children and our spouses and our parents and our siblings to become embodiments of the sunnah. That wherever we go, we might not necessarily get a huge red carpet at our arrival. It's fine. But Allah Azza wa Jalla is pleased with us. Our Nabi is pleased with us. And our Nabi is looking forward to seeing us at the Hawd, inshaAllah, on the Day of Judgment. Before we <clears throat> Inshallah, do some dhikr. Are there any questions that brothers here have? You would like to share anything or ask any questions, Inshallah? We can answer a few before. Yes, brother. Okay, the question is. When should we start migrating to Mecca and Medina? Or when should we start migrating to our home countries with all that is going? You have to right now look at to what degree can you practice the deen for yourself and your children? Um, back at home, or where your parents or may have migrated from, or back uh, or in Mecca and Medina. And <clears throat> at the moment where we are today, <clears throat> I think the opportunities of practicing our deen in this manner, what we have here, are pretty unique. The type of open discussions, this discussion that we just had right now. There are many, most Muslim countries you cannot speak like this. Alright, I just came from Turkey, which is obviously one of the better Muslim countries out there. But subhanAllah, there is no dars uh, allowed in the masjid. Dhikr also, we were told, if you want to do dhikr, please do not do it in the masjid. You know, go, go to your apartment and do it. There's just three, four of us, myself and my shaykh and a few others. Right? But the, no type of gathering of this sort should be allowed. Everything has to be sanctioned by the government. The khutbah till now, even in that country too, the khutbah comes from the government. And it's read off. And obviously, it's, you know, some, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's maybe not very relevant, etc. But the real issues won't be, you know, uh, discussed from the member many times. This issue... I want to say just this LGBTQ issue, especially in Turkey at least, alhamdulillah, this, it's, it's much more controlled publicly. Meaning publicly, they're, they're not allowed to have these processions and, and pride clubs, etc. openly. 
with all the other issues that they do have, this is one thing that they have good. But then when it comes to our educational opportunities, etc., Turkey is still better than many other countries, but still a very European country. And let's not I forget that. When the environment and the mahol outside is, is, you know, it's just like you're in college campus everywhere. It's not, as a, you know, I'm just coming from there. It's like everywhere is like a college campus. That's just the way people are dressed, etc. Is, is pretty bad. Um, but there are, of course, positives to it as well. I feel like right now, you know, this, everyone has to answer this question to, for their own family themselves separately. I cannot answer on behalf of everyone. But I think the level of discourse, the type of programs, the type of open discussion we have in this country, alhamdulillah, the type of uh, um, discussions that ulama are doing, uh, our programs, etc., that some of the ulama are doing across the country are unique. That it's hard to find something like that elsewhere. Because the problem is everywhere. Problem is everywhere. Some places more, some places less. But wherever it's less, it's going to become more very soon. But how many places are actually discussing it head on, openly, from the mic? Not too many places. And so this, your chance of survival is better in a place where you know you have people who actually recognize what era we're living in, are not shy to talk about it, and are trying to provide solutions. So um, for myself, I would say that this the time hasn't come yet. I feel like what I could practice my deen personally, my own self I'm saying, is uh, I, I feel like I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing here other places. And things may change. It could take in the next 20, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, or whatever that is. I think those people who are searching for the truth, inshallah, the answer will come to them naturally. They will re themselves recognize that this is the time where I cannot no longer practice my deen. Here. Yes. Responsibility? Hundred percent. Very right. Very right. Exactly. So, brother is saying that <clears throat> no matter where you live, you have to take care of your children yourself. Uh, the, in, there's no such thing as a society will raise your kids. No, it doesn't work like that. Society will raise it. Yes in a very messed up manner. So whether you're in a Muslim country or back home, wherever you come from, same issue. If we do not take responsibility of taking care of our children, they're going to come out messed up. Go look back to, find me which city do you find all the kids on deen? Like in reality. Find which city can you, the parents say, oh, Alhamdulillah, the mahol and environment is so good that now um, I don't have to even keep my um, you know, kids at home. They can run around the place. I don't need to know when they come home or what they're doing, what they're studying, everything's fine. No. Because social media... And internet is everywhere. Smartphones is everywhere. Everywhere. So as long as there's a smartphone and internet and social media available, what type of filter we have over here is pretty much exported to across the globe. Or maybe even imported from there to over here. It's everywhere. It's one global village. So it really does come back down to a person taking full responsibility. Uh, like many dads here, the way they're raising their kids and making fikr for their children. How, many, how often you see, mashallah, we just ended our QIS Quran Islamic study sports camp on Thursday. And mashallah, 400 plus boys and girls uh, from across. People were driving 50 minutes with their kids. 50 minutes for their kids. Try to go find that in Karachi. Try to find that in Lahore. 
Try to go find that so someone willing to try to find uh, people, uh, what you call, uh, you know, willing to drive. How many of you, I'm sure, drove half an hour to come for this Fajr talk? Right? How many people are right now and from the other end of the coast are listening early morning at their homes? That, see, mashallah, you're in this country, but you're making this sacrifice. How many people regularly drive 12 to 15 minutes for Salat al Fajr? This is the thing. You're doing sacrifice here. Is that, is that normal sacrifice everywhere else? No, it's not. So, the key thing is if you are personally committed to saving your children and make an effort, inshallah, Allah Azza wa will assist you. Yes, Fahima. Will a, per, will a person, if the person believes that there's more than one gender, um, male and female, well, this, uh, I, I'm not going to go or say uh, I, I feel uncomfortable labeling anyone. That would be something maybe Darul Ifta. A question should be sent to the Darul Ifta here also, and then our muftis can give a written answer to that. But Allah Himself says, Allah has created you from a male and a female. Right, so the male inna khalaqnakum min thakarim unta wajallakum. Where else? There's at least two, few, multiple ayats, three, four ayats in the Quran where Allah Azza wa Jal clearly mentions male and female. So I mean, these are um, kind of verses which you would say are very clear, unambiguous in the aspect of uh, of uh, the fact that Allah Azza wa Jal has created human beings from from in, into male and female. So based on that, a person, I, we're not, you know, again, I don't want to go to that, but our job is try to keep people as much as possible in the fold of Islam as much as possible so when you're dealing with someone who's saying things of that sort our knee-jerk response should not be brother that's kufr don't say that that's he's already on the verge of falling into kufr already maybe falling into kufr by saying stuff like this is not gonna help him bring him back right we have to figure out how to get him out off the cliff and bring him closer and then we can discuss things yeah yes yeah, because okay, like for example, you're saying we don't, as parents, we don't realize the seriousness of it. Same thing about uh, a same gender marriage or same gender, you know, relationships. That's haram. You take a haram and you make it regarded as halal, that's kufr. Any haram, whether it's zina or anything else. If you say, no, drinking wine, liquor is, is jai, is permissible. What is that? That's kufr. When you all know that. To take something, if you commit a haram, commit a sinful sin, that's not an act of kufr. But to regard something which is absolutely unambiguously haram, and to regard this permissible, that is definitely something not allowed. Yes. Yeah. What are some of the what? Yeah, what are the daily regiments? Good, very good question. Daily regiment is really sunnah. Like when you look at from the way they communicate, they talk, to the way they pray the salah, to the way they, when you hear a train is canceled, to a flight's canceled, to um, um, plans of disturb. How do they respond to all these scenarios? To, you know, things that happen to everyday life. You'll see, wow, wow this is a prophetic response. For example, something as simple as, Everything, all decision in the hands of Allah. Being calm, collected, no matter what the situation is. Not losing their temper ever. Right? Understanding that everything is biyadillah, biqudratillah. Sad news, bad news, good news. Everything is happening with the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Being content with that. Uh, not making sure that wherever we are, our salah is performed properly. Our afkar are performed properly. Our sunnahs are performed properly. We, we can't be rushed through these things. Life will move on. But we're not going to rush through our daily duties. 
that we're never going to miss our dhikr. We're never going to miss our sunnah. We're never going to miss, you know, uh, like if you're, you have to do a quick wudu, but you're going to still do sunnah of that wudu. You have to pray your salah. We're going to still make sure we find a salatul jama'ah to pray with. Right? We have to, uh, you're dealing with someone who's acting very arrogantly with you or very ignorantly with you. Well, you're going to act in a prophetic manner and be remaining calm and you're going to be forgiving and you're not going to you know, cave in to your temptations to, to, to give a harsh answer, etc., etc. Right? These are things that subhanAllah we see. Um, not wanting to, you know, not desiring to be famous and to attract attention. Uh, making sure that Continuously, wherever they go, their heart is always connected with Allah through dhikr. Continuously, the heart being connected with Allah through silent dhikr. One is the out loud dhikr, and one is Allah, 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 your heart beating with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's love. That 24 7 reaching a state where you do so much dhikr that while you're sitting, while you're even talking right now or listening, that your heart is saying, Allah, Allah, Allah. It's a whole state. You enter a state of dhikr. That's the state of mind. And when you're in that state of mind, then you're always recognizing that you're in the presence of Allah. And we're in, when you recognize that you're in the presence of Allah, how can you make major sins? How can you commit major blunders? This is what we have to aspire to be. And this, inshallah, one day you and I will reach that, ta'ala, through suhbah, through good companionship. When we go sit in the company of such people, when we, we see that, we'll say, okay, this is how we're supposed to be. Right now, we don't have anyone to model after. We don't have anyone to model after. But when we see people who are leading that path, even this day and age, you say, okay, this is how I have to become. We're very far away from that. But sitting in the company of such people, inshallah, will allow us to one day become like that. Inshallah. So we'll, we'll uh, uh, do some dhikr now, inshallah, and conclude with the dua. Uh, and a few announcements. Inshallah, Monday will be our uh, last summer program, which will be the three-week Quranic Arabic intensive, Tamheed Arabic intensive starting on Monday. This is open to brothers and sisters, 17 plus. Um, so I encourage you, inshallah, to please, if you, are, if you have young men and women at home, college students, or students who are here listening to me, uh, try to benefit from this last summer program that will begin on Monday. It's a three-week course. It's 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Yes, we have basketball and sports, etc. also available for the students. You'll have not only an opportunity to uh, get connected with the Quran, but also amazing companions from across the country who will be your classmates. And alhamdulillah, ulama and scholars that you can connect with who speak your language, who understand your lingo, and who are, inshallah, great role models for our youth uh, to, 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 um, to follow them and to connect with them. It is really, besides the learning inside the classroom, it is the relationships that you bond, that create, alhamdulillah, our deen intensive four-week Islamic studies course, mashallah, ended last week. And the, the, the uh, experiences that I heard were so amazing from the students. Uh, many adults, many college students from across the country, East Coast, West Coast, came and attended. Besides learning the deen, alhamdulillah, they were thrilled to have built a relationship with ulama. They said, we didn't even know such people existed. That people who we can connect with, we can ask questions that we feel comfortable opening up to um, and sharing our doubts. We had a daily mentorship program. Every single day they sat with one of the ulama, every single day, to go over your issues, personal issues, and solutions to that. Sisters had their mentors, uh, mashallah, from the female alimat. Our males had their male scholars. So we'll be doing the same thing for our Arabic intensive students. So I encourage you, if you can take time out, please come. Uh, inshallah, starting from Monday, if, even if you're working, you can change your hours to, to an extent to come join. Consider doing that, inshallah. Next, August 14th, will be the start of our 10-year intensive one-year program, our 11th batch of students, inshallah. And uh, we have still some space on the sister side, inshallah. So if you are intending to apply, please do so now. 
uh, to the Tanweer program. Additionally, our Tadris high school program. Yes, Darus Salam has its own high school program. For those of you who don't know, 9th, 10th, from the girls' side, it starts from 8th grade. 8th, ninth, 8th grade onwards, Darus Salam has a high school program in which they study the deen here in this location. Along, they study their high school subjects along with Islamic study subjects. So in a matter of a few years, not only did they complete their high school, but they complete a few, two, three, four years of the, or two, two, three years of the Alima program as well. And for the boys, we have, alhamdulillah, ninth through twelfth. So when, if you're trying to think of a solution for your children, especially of their high school age, when they are in a very uh, formidable age of their lives, I would highly recommend that you come check out the Tadris Integrated High School Program over here, which starts also August 14th. We ask Allah Azza wa to accept the efforts of our staff, our students, our teachers, our patrons, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant everyone ikhlas. Amin ya alamin. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam La ilaha illallah 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 Muhammadur Rasulullah Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Sallallahu ala Muhammad 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 
محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على 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 محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم استغفر الله 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 الذي لا اله الا هو الحي القيوم واتوب اليه بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم انت السلام ونك السلام وتبارك يا ذا الجلال والاكرام اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصيه ثناء عليك انت كما اثنيت على نفسك اللهم يا حي يا قيوم يا احد الصمد الذي لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا احد ظلمنا انفسنا وان لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم لك الحمد حمدا دائما مع دوامك ولك الحمد حمدا خالدا مع خلودك ولك الحمد حمدا حتى ترضى ولك الحمد حمدا اذا رضيت اللهم انا نسالك التقوى والتقى والعفاف والغنى اللهم انك عفو كريم تحب العفو فاعف عنا اللهم ربنا آتينا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار اللهم ربنا لا تزق قلوبنا بعد تهديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب ربنا اغفر لنا ذنوبنا وإسرافنا في أمرنا وثبت أقدامنا وانصرنا على القوم الكافرين ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين واجعلنا للمتقين إماما ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين واجعلنا للمتقين إماما اللهم هيئ لنا من أمرنا رشدا اللهم هيئ لنا من أمرنا رشدا اللهم هيئ لنا من أمرنا رشدا اللهم نسألك رضاك 
والجنة وما قرب إليها من قول أو عمل ونعوذ بك من صختك والنار وما قرب إليها من قول أو عمل اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا اللهم أرنا الحق حقا وارزقنا اتباعا وأرنا الباطل باطلا وارزقنا اجتنابا اللهم يا حي يا قيوم إنا نسألك علما نافعا ورزقا واسعا وشفاء من كل داء اللهم إنا نسألك لسانا ذاكرا وقلبا خاشعا وعينا دامعا ونفسا مطمئنة بك ولقائك اللهم اشفنا واشف مرضانا ومرض المسلمين اللهم اشفنا واشف مرضانا ومرض المسلمين اللهم اشفنا واشف مرضانا ومرض المسلمين نسأل الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم يشفي مرضانا ومرض المسلمين نسأل الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم يشفي مرضانا ومرض المسلمين نسأل الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم يشفي مرضانا ومرض المسلمين اللهم اغفر لحينا وميتنا وشاهدنا وغائبنا وصغيرنا وكبيرنا وذكرنا وانثانا اللهم نحيت منا فأحيي على الإسلام وأنت وفيت منا فتوفوا الإيمان الله يأسل accept our gathering all of anything beneficial was said indeed it was from you we ask you tawfiq to be able to put into practice we ask you tawfiq to be able to spread it and share it with others Allah if mistakes were made Ya Allah we seek forgiveness for that Allah we ask you to we ask you protection from the evil of our nafs we ask you protection from the evil plotting of shaitan we ask you Ya Allah protection from the waswasas of our nafs and the waswasas of our shaitan Allah we ask you from the evil plotting and planning of shaitan and nafs we ask you protection from the shar of our shaitan and nafs Allah please Please do not allow us to become victims of our nafs and shaitan. Allah grant us victory over nafs and our shaitan, Ya Allah. Allah protect us, Ya Allah, protect us, protect us, protect us from the shayateen, from the humans and the shayateen, from the jinn. Allah grant all of us and our children and our loved ones, our spouses and our parents great good company. Allah allow us all that we be surrounded by righteous, God-fearing company. Allah allow us to, be, to have the, enjoy the company of the pious ones, company of the righteous ones, company of the people who follow the sunnah. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask you to allow our homes to become according to the sunnah of the Prophet Oh Allah, oh Allah, allow every action of ours, our spouses and our children to become a, ya Allah, a reflection of the teachings of our beloved Prophet Muhammad Oh Allah, we ask you to grant us the ability to remain firm on the truth. Oh Allah, allow us to utilize such means that are required to be able to protect our generations and our children from falling into kufr and shirk, ya Allah. Oh Allah, we do not know how to properly raise our kids. Oh Allah, we do not know how to take care of our own selves. We do not know how to even take care of our own spirituality, let alone our children. Oh Allah, we ask you to teach us, Ya Allah, to teach us, to inspire us, to teach us, inspire us. Oh Allah, hold our hand and guide us at every step. Oh Allah, which school to go to? What type of education we should take on? Where should our children study after they graduate from high school? Oh Allah, what type of professions they should go into? Oh Allah, we ask you to go, hold our hands and guide us, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, save us from making decisions, Ya Allah, that will have catastrophic, Ya Allah, results for our children and for the future of our families, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, that it's very hard in this day and age to recognize what's right and what's wrong. Oh Allah, we are seeing that the people who we thought were guides of truth, inviting towards truth, themselves, Ya Allah, are inviting towards falsehood. Oh Allah, Ya Allah, people around us constantly are changing. Oh Allah, priorities are changing. Oh Allah, colors are changing. Oh Allah, it's very difficult to distinguish between who speaks the truth and Ya Allah, who doesn't. Oh Allah, oh Allah, even the truth has been now wrapped up in various colors and various, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, different ya costumes, Ya Allah. Very hard to understand where the truth is coming from and where is falsehood coming from. Oh Allah, none can guide us besides you. Oh Allah, allow us to understand the truth as the truth. Falsehood is falsehood. Allow us to follow the truth and allow us to stay away from falsehood. Oh Allah, give us all that nur of iman which will allow us to distinguish between right and wrong, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, all of us who are, who are, who are suffering in any way, shape or form, physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, financially, oh Allah, please end our difficulties, end our test and 
grant us victory in all our tests, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, those who are crying at the, at the plea of their children who are left the deen, who are leaving the children, deen, who have left their homes, will have turned against you and against your prophet and against their, their parents. O oh Allah, we ask you to accept the cries and the pleas of the parents. O oh Allah, accept the duas in the nights of the parents. O oh Allah, bring the children back to the deen. O oh Allah, those all those in children of the ummah who have run away from the deen, Ya Allah, run away from their homes. O oh Allah, bring them back, Ya 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 Allah. O oh Allah, those who have not run away, Ya Allah, give them the istiqamah and steadfastness not to run away from their homes, not to run away from you, not to run away from your Prophet Alayhi Salatu Salam. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, indeed, oh none can remain firm today besides the one who you give tawfiq to. We beg you, we are too weak to be tested. We are too weak to be tested. We are too weak to be tested. O oh Allah, grant us tawfiq to always choose right good company. O oh Allah, to choose, Ya Allah, the best of, of, of the best company, Allah. O oh Allah, grant us the ability, Allah, Ya Allah, to earn halal, to spend in halal, to eat and consume halal, Ya Allah. Protect our gazes from looking at haram. Protect our ears from listening to haram. Protect our minds from entertaining haram thoughts. Protect our hands and feet from walking or touching haram. Protect, Ya Allah, our time to be spent in useless haram pursuits. O Allah, make every aspect, every desire, every wish of ours subservient to your deen and the sunnah of the Prophet O Allah, whatever permissible desires and needs any one of us have, we ask you to accept those permissible desires and needs. We ask you to grant protection to Darussalam, to the masjid, to the seminary, to the scholars, to the staff, to the teachers, to the families, to the students, Ya Allah, to the, to the well-wishers, to the patrons, to the musallis, to the volunteers. Ya Allah, grant them all protection of their deen, of their dunya of their homes, Ya Allah, of their businesses, of their children, Ya Allah, of their chastity, of their honor, Ya Allah, of the iman, Ya Allah. Subhana Rabbika Rabbil Azzati Maasifoon, wa salamun al-mursaleen, walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa rizakumullah khaira. Inshallah, let us perform Salat al-Ishraq, two raka' and two raka' and afterwards, inshallah, then we can enjoy the rest of the day. Subhanallah, bihamdi, subhanallah, bihamdi, ikshadu la ilaha illa ant, nastaghfiruk wa natubilaik, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.